0: this episode of the spiritually sassy show was brought to you by higher dose Elevate your mood, promote a healthy glow, support long-term health benefits, and lift your spirit with Higher Dose's at-home wellness tools that use nature-inspired technologies to release a dose of your feel-good chemicals like dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins naturally. Higher Dose's infrared, PEMF, and red light devices elevate your health and beauty rituals while their collection of body products boosts the benefits so you feel more rejuvenated, refreshed, grounded, and glowing. Ready to test the best biohacking technologies and feel better daily? Visit higherdose.com and enter the code SAW15 to save 15% on your first order. That's higherdose.com and enter the code SAH15 to save 15% on your first order, and prepare to get high on your own supply. And now, on to the show.
1: What's up, my loves? And welcome back to the Spiritually Sassy Show, where we're redefining what it means to be spiritual in the modern world. I'm your host, Sade Simone. In case you don't know who I am, I'm a mystic, an artist, transformational speaker, two-time best-selling author, and the creator of the Somatic Activated Healing Method. And soon to be a three-time best-selling author, because I have a new book coming out later this year. I'm so grateful and excited for you to listen to this amazing episode with an incredibly sassy guest. And remember, in case you love the show, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and stay in touch with me on Instagram at Sade Simone and on TikTok at Sade Simone. And check out my website, SadeSimone.com. And today's guest is Valerie Gangas. I love the last name. She's a speaker, transformational life coach, an author, she has worked alongside the David Lynch Foundation and Oprah Winfrey, honey. She has a new book in Deep Shift, an empowering guide to help you navigate those times when your life turns upside down and inside out and the radical shift in consciousness you can access in the process. Valerie, thank you so Thanks much for, for having me. And welcome to the show. So happy you're here. And this book is so timely for my life because I feel like my life is fucking upside down right now, honey. So welcome to the show. My I think God, a lot of I... people feel that way, right? I mean, it's it's happening. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, and, you know, just for context, why my life is so upside down right now, it's my mom died about uh, six weeks ago and she was, is will always be my greatest cheerleader, my rock, my support system, my biggest mirror, my best friend. So it's really surreal to make a choice to keep living when she's no longer here.
2: I am so sorry. Um, I did not know that. And I know she was sick from social media, but Mm -hmm. how are you functioning right now?
1: Kind of, mm-hmm. kind of functioning, you know. It's it's really like uh, I'm, I'm doing the podcast because it, it makes mm-hmm. me come alive. It's every guest I talk to are people that I am inspired by, are people who educate me, and we have a beautiful dance together. Um, but I'm doing the bare yeah. minimum, you know. Just very, very, very bare minimum. I'm relying really heavily on my team, and uh, my family's here in Los Angeles. So it's, you know, life is really... It's just like when the Buddha said life is painful, he wasn't no, fucking he kidding. Wasn't. And that trauma is effect of life, he no, wasn't fucking no, kidding. He wasn't, you know?
2: Mm-mm. And, you know, my story really started when I lost my mom. So when I say I understand, I understand. That's why I kind of don't even know how you're like working and functioning because I completely fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom also had cancer. Yeah. Please, let's yeah. dive into my it. My mom had cancer, okay. too. I, what mm. what type of cancer did your mom have? Yeah, breast mine, cancer. too. So um, when I was 20 years old, my mom was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And they gave her six months to live. Um, but she mm-hmm. got in a trial. They, they figured she had nothing to lose. So they put her in a trial um, at the University of Chicago. Yeah. And... She made it for 14 years, but it was very, very challenging, multiple surgeries, tons of chemo radiation. And so, as you know, I, I feel like I don't even need to explain myself to you. It's like you live to keep your mom alive. I mean, at least mm-hmm. that's how it felt to me. I mm-hmm. did everything I could to support her. Um,
1: Same yeah, here, my darling. Emotionally,
2: yeah. physically, spiritually. I was desperate. And so when she died, um, you know, I just fell apart. I, it was all that pain just like exploded out of me. Um, and that's really what started mm-hmm. my story because mm-hmm, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's shocking. Even if they what sick, helped you to you their know.
1: grief. Yeah. Yeah. What was a helpful thing during the grief process for you?
2: Well, so I got really sick. Like, I could not function. I was suicidal. Um, I had never been depressed mm-hmm. before and maybe anxious a little bit once once in a while over her health. And when she died, uh, I slipped into a really, really deep depression and I couldn't pull myself out of it. I wasn't sleeping. Um, and then... Mm-hmm. I had a, a moment, I was in the shower, I was, I was hardly leaving my house, you know, I really couldn't do much. And I completely surrendered. I, I said, like, God either save me or help me kill myself, because like, I'm done. There was like, it was, I've described it as like, I was already dead. You know, like I died before I died. Mm-hmm. And it was only two weeks mm-hmm. later, um, I met a random gentleman through a friend. And he suggested I learn how to meditate because it would help me sleep. Um, and I Mm -hmm. was open to it. And in one meditation, I went from suicidal to like a state of ecstasy, like the lights came on, everything changed. And then like two weeks later, I was working with Oprah Winfrey, like talking about consciousness and meditation. And like, I had never meditated before. Now I had been interested in spirituality my whole life. And I was a comparative religious studies major in college, like My mom was a mystical poet. So we were always talking about the mystics and Mm -hmm. that was my reality. But until you have an experience like that, like you can't read about it. Like you have to, it has to happen to Mm -hmm. you. And then, um, yeah, everything changed, but it was on the heels of the worst pain I've ever felt in my life.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at. And let me ask you something really personal. Did you think that God forgot about you when you when your mom died?
2: I felt like the whole world forgot about me. I felt like when she died, there was no point in going on. It, it was like I died with her. It's like she took me with her to the grave. And mm-hmm. I didn't at that point have like any understanding mm-hmm. of the afterlife or like what happens to you. I was like very confused in my mind. And I felt like I had to find her and continue helping her. Cause maybe she was in need or lost. I mean, my mind, I really spun out. So yeah, I felt for the first time in my life that I was not connected to God or anything else. And I think that's what led to mm-hmm, such mm-hmm. deep, deep darkness for me.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And during that season, it was the practice of meditation and transcendental meditation to yeah, be more specific. Yeah, right? specifically TM. That's what started mm-hmm. to help you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just want to go back to your mom's, uh, like, mystical poet. Can you say more about that and how did that kind of like influence you? Influence who you are today? Did you ever? could you ever foresee that you would be like a spiritual guide and be working with, you know, David Lynch foundation and Oprah? Like, did you, was this ever part of the plan? Um,
2: I think like deep in my soul, I wanted to help people and I knew I wanted to talk about spirituality, but my reality wasn't matching up with that. Um, my dad is mm-hmm. a Greek immigrant. We owned restaurants I worked with him and ran bars and restaurants, and that's what I did. But I had this other life, this private life with my mom. So she was really my guru. Mm -hmm. And from a very young age, she would talk to me about, you know, St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, you know, the mystical world, things that are unseen, and really educating me in a very Mm -hmm. gentle way that uh, made me very curious about the universe and God And she was, I mean, I felt like I was living with a saint, really. So Mm -hmm. we had our own private world. And maybe deep down inside, I saw myself speaking to other people. But while she was alive, it was really about her and I discussing these ideas. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love this. It is so rare, Valerie, to have that connection with a mother in that way you know my mom was deeply spiritual too and and her and i were like definitely like psychic Mm -hmm. connection was like obscene that we would like think of each other and we it was just like the ways that we were connected it's you know wild uh that we still are it's still like she's making Mm -hmm. contact now in all these like really sweet ways and and it's really wild um that you know, I spent part of my day in despair, part of my day saying, fuck off. And then there's a part of my day that I'm like, wow, this shit is real. I think, you know, like, I think the
2: difference between you and I is that you, at this point in your life are very advanced spiritually. And I wasn't, I did study a lot and I read a Mm -hmm. lot of books, but there was no practice involved. There was just conversations, thoughts, writing papers, stuff like that. It's not like I had embodied mm-hmm. any type of spiritual practice. So really, yeah, spiritually, I was not prepared for like for that to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Even though it seems like I would be, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, mm-hmm. my brother's passed away. I my whole family has basically passed away since my mom died. And I've been able to handle these deaths in a more graceful way way and not completely fall apart. In fact, I feel like I helped them cross over, which is a huge leap from when my mom passed away. So I can see in the past 12 years, how I've grown spiritually, which will help you a lot deal with a great loss like that.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, thanks for noticing that. Um, Thanks for noticing that in me but also at the same time I have said this on the show many times now and I've 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 just noticed myself it's like yes I'm coming up like she died December 25th 2022 um and I was coming out of out, out of um you know the news started coming in halfway through a 30 day meditation retreat in Nepal Kathmandu that me my boyfriend and my sister were all at all right. So we, it's it, so so we're also coming up to like ten years of practice, but all the stuff didn't help me coming up to the hospital hospital bed and seeing my mom in yeah. that condition. It, like none of the stuff held me. I was you know floored and on the ground and sobbing to such a hysterical state that the nurses asked for me to leave. You know, uh, it was to that place. But to me, that's so, normal. Thanks for seeing that strength. Yeah. Thanks for seeing that strength. But also, like, I'm telling you that, you know, I am having kind of feeling the grace of it just lightly, lightly today, I even told my therapist earlier, today, I was like, wow, today, I feel like I'm, I'm like in my body, I can feel the sun kissing my skin, I can feel the wind touching my skin, like I, I'm I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, you know, I can feel things in a whole, I can feel life mm-hmm. in a whole new way. Um, but nothing could have prepared me for, for that. And I think that's something that, um, that I, I was kind of shocked because, um, I had been, you know, reading about and, and slowly looking into like, uh, you know, working as a yeah. death doula and going to Mother Teresa's mm-hmm. home of the dying in Kolkata and living there for a while. Um, but it's it's a it's a pain, like you said. Like unlike anything else, it's truly. Um, I I I feel like a part of because it's has your mom. Gone.
2: I don't yeah. know if anything will ever compare to that. You know, it's yeah. like, um, I, for me, it was the worst worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. So I think when it's your mom and you have a spiritual connection to her and you love her that much, that's real deep, deep love. It, it rips you apart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now let me ask you something, uh, kind of shifting gears, but staying in that, in that vein of, of the connection with your mom and the mysticism that surrounded your house Talk to me about a mystical experience. I usually ask this question later into the show, but like, I feel like, because you've mentioned that word a few times now, let's jump
2: into it. Have you had
1: a mystical experience, Valerie?
2: I have. So when I was younger, I felt like very intuitive and in touch with things, but you know, I was young, I'm running around, I'm partying, I'm, I'm being a normal kid, but this connection is deep and I'm talking to my mom about, uh, about all this stuff. Then I remember the first time something happened to me, I had like a huge fight with my boyfriend and I was really upset and all of a sudden, like I was really upset and all of a sudden, like everything got so silent, silent, like I silence, like I had never experienced before. And as clear as day, like the words I heard God say to me, be kind and it stopped me in my tracks and shifted my consciousness. And that had never happened to me before. And I remember calling my mom and saying like, oh my God, I had this experience. And like she was sobbing on the other line because she knew what that was. She knew the door had been cracked open a little bit, but it was really after she passed away and I went through this dark night of the soul really. And, and then had this awakening experience, which I didn't even know what that was that like the floodgates opened and then I was able to Mm -hmm. have clear communication with her and other people that had passed away. And when I was meditating over and over and over again, it felt like I was almost having like near death experiences. Like I could communicate with God and be shown things that, um, I could have never imagined in my life. So the information was like flooding into me fast and furious, and I never was ever the same after that.
1: Wow, wow. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for for naming it. and Thank you for opening that door and 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 also reminding us that like a shift in consciousness after a fight and hearing the, you know, the the whispers from from this the unseen beings. Is a mystical experience. I think think some people, because you had context for that and you could talk to mom about it, I think people overlook that because they want the black Madonna to be hanging out at their dining room table (laughs) or they want the Buddha to be like in their closet. Like, hey
2: girl, what's that? Are you going to meditate, you know? But it isn't like that. It can be very quiet and subtle. But if you, I always tell people, like if you can get rid of as many distractions as possible in your life, be really quiet because... I think we all have the ability to have these types of experiences and like, Hey, I'm not looking for flashy experiences, right? I want to be grounded and, um, you know, stay in my body, but you can have pretty extreme and connected experiences, but I think you need to pump the brakes on the noise and actually be able to listen and, and have these experiences.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: And then maybe,
1: you know, the Black
2: Madonna might show
1: up for you or the Buddha might surprise you. <laughs> yeah. Anything is possible, you know? But it's it the the thing about it is is that I think we can't be looking mm-hmm. for no that, way. you know, when when mm-hmm. we're like, I want to have a mystical experience, I want to have a mystical experience. And and a lot of people are having mystical experiences while uh on psychedelics. And and you know, yes, they count. Yes, they're mystical. Um, but you got it. For you to bring the mysticism into your ordinary life, you just have to look like right underneath your nose because it's right there. You know, the mysticism is literally right. It's around everywhere.
2: The I mean, after I learned to meditate, I felt like I could just <clears throat> go outside and stare at trees for hours. Like it was like a whole new world. And then I realized, like that juice from the universe was in everything. I just wasn't able to see it before. And then I, you know, it was, it was really incredible that it was right under my nose. And to your, to your point of trying, it's, I call it opposite land. It's like, we are taught to push and be successful and this and that it's, it's really the opposite. It's leaning back and allowing it to just come to you. Like to me, that's happiness and freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're leaning into your (laughs) book already, um, which we should definitely go into it. You have a new book that just came out on February 14th, 2023, published with the iconic Sounds True, called In Deep Shift, Riding the Waves of Change to Find Peace, Fulfillment and Freedom. In chapter one, you say, the title of chapter one, you're not losing it. You are in a deep shift. Okay, so what does that mean? Because I think sometimes a lot of people feel like they're losing it. And and we have a culture of pathologizing mm-hmm. losing it. We have a culture of of demonizing not having it together. We have a culture of saying, oh, you're being lost is equals bad. So can you speak to that and help us to not pathologize uh, a, a an extremely inevitable part of, 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 of being. Human, Absolutely. Right?
2: Absolutely. And, um, if you start talking to the wrong people, they're going to think you have a mental illness, you know, they're going to definitely demonize you. So I think it can be scary. We're back to opposite land. Like you think it's one way, but then you have this experience and you realize like everything you ever thought you knew is wrong. So now what are you going to do? That's when mm-hmm. you start spinning out. And it's the whole reason I wrote the book. I I wanted people to not feel alone because it's not it's not an abnormal experience. It's very normal. But if you get bad information or you are talking to the wrong people, then you're really going to get confused. So for me, I needed to find a group of people that understood this, and it helped me tremendously. And of course, I read books and you know i just found like my posse and by doing that i was mm-hmm. able to have deep conversations and explain the experiences that i was having and how i felt and how to try and navigate my life and it was like a support system um mm-hmm. i also mm-hmm. ended up going and getting a masters degree in transpersonal psychology because i wanted to understand the spiritual psychology behind this not only having experiences but like have some knowledge with it, and I think bringing the two together helped me become more grounded and more whole in this whole fiasco. You know, because it takes a long time mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. maybe forever to keep plowing through this. But I do believe you need support. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does someone who perhaps is um, is losing it? What are some of the the sort of like uh, symptoms of losing it. So if someone could feel like familiar with that in case they're like, oh, shit, because, you know, I was listening to I was watching the Pamela Anderson mm-hmm. documentary and a lot of the language that she used during during the show, not a lot, a specific language that she used. I I, I quoted a paraphrased it to my therapist uh, to just kind of like you know, I I felt like the the documentary really touched me because she used language like sometimes am I, I'm paraphrasing, I'm probably going to paraphrasing in a completely fucked up way. But she said something like, sometimes I feel like, am I, am I Mm dreaming or am I awake? Sometimes I think am I dead or alive? Am I living somebody else's Mm -hmm. life? And like, these are some of the languages that if if said to the to the perhaps the wrong person, they can immediately uh, put you in a box, right? So can you speak to that a little more? Like
2: what what are the symptoms of losing it? I mean, I can remember like watching myself sleep at night, and I if I didn't have someone to talk to about it, I would have mm-hmm. thought you are losing it because I was definitely outside of my body, watching myself mm-hmm. sleep, interacting mm-hmm. with people. You feel as though mm-hmm. you are almost like in a movie, it's, it's real, but it's not real. You're not like emotionally connected to what's happening at the time. So you can, you know, they call it witnessing. I don't even, it doesn't matter what they call it. It's, it's a feeling that you have, or it's a reality Mm -hmm. that you have that, yes, you're watching this happen. There could be a fight or anything could be happening around you. And you're, you're unaffected. It's like, you're able to take a step back emotionally. That to me is a tall tale Mm -hmm. sign of this happening to you, because you'll notice you didn't have that before. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I've spoke to a lot of people that had Mm -hmm. trouble sleeping. You have a lot of energy running through your system. So I always tell people to try and get, you know, long walks in, get some exercise because it's more energy than before. It's like you've tapped into a different energy source. And now that's running through your body, especially on like long meditation Mm -hmm. courses. I know you were going on a silent Mm -hmm. retreat, like, Uh Unless someone has done something Uh like that, it's very, very, very intense. And they wouldn't, people wouldn't know that. Uh And it could lead like what happened Uh to me to almost like a breakdown, a spiritual emergency, because you are cleaning out your mind Uh and your soul and all that trauma that's been pushed out can literally just like explode out of you. So that's another sign Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you start Mm -hmm. feeling different about your friends, your relationships, the food that you eat, where you live, what you do for a living, like literally everything starts changing because, well, I mean, you're a new person.
1: That's right. You're in the deep deep, shift. The deep shift.
2: And it's like, things are about to get real. Yeah. Cause you can't get Mm -hmm. out. You speak about, yeah, you can't get out
1: and and that's that's your new new normal. normal. That's your new normal. I think that's the thing. It's like arriving at a place where like feeling the 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 every the little pulsing sensations in your body and like feeling the the breath so vivid, feeling your heart so vivid, like being able to like tune in to 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 people's your your empathy is now on your crack. empathy,
2: thank you. you, you. know, to yes. me it feels like it. Like it's you cold. your empathy is on crack. I felt you know, I always felt intuitive, but now I was almost like reading people's energy. You know, every single person that I was reading. Yeah, I mean, it. it's a lot, yes. right? So if you don't learn to control that and protect yourself, and it's really, really intense. I remember praying, like, please, God, take this away from me. Like, I don't want, I don't want this. I don't want every person walking past me that I'm reading them. You know, it, it's so intense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it can be Mm -hmm. scary to go to the grocery store. I didn't fly for years because it was too much energy on the airplane with me. Mm -hmm. And so to understand Mm -hmm. this new sensitivity and heightened, um, empathy is very, it's critical to your survival and happiness.
1: Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the word peace that you put right in the title of the book. What does peace mean to you?
2: I think once you get in the groove of this and you really accept your new life and you start doing things your way, like you have to honestly say to yourself, fuck everybody. Like I have to do this my way and chart your own path because no one else is going to give you a a roadmap to this because it's a new way of being. And I think once you get to that point and you are living your truth, you find a lot of peace because you're living the way you should be. It's not like on anyone else's terms and it might look really wacky and very different. And people might think, you know, you're out of your mind, but you will find a lot of peace being true to yourself. I don't know how else to do it. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: a necessary component mm-hmm. to inner peace.
1: Mm hmm. And for someone who is completely lost, and they're working like multiple jobs, perhaps it's a single mom. We have a lot of moms who listen to the show. Uh, we have a lot of um, uh, you know people who are in a struggle bus, and all they know is a struggle. The word peace is is a trigger word. The word serenity and harmony mm-hmm. and relaxation and easefulness and 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 fuck off to everybody. All this kind of stuff that it may seem like kind of like a normal thing um for you and and parts of it to me too it's I'm curious like what is what what could peace look like to someone who is in the struggle bus and of course we encourage everybody to go get the book to find out more because Valerie goes into deep deep detail in the book um but I'm curious to like what could you offer someone you know the word peace it's so sort of overrated it's like enlightenment right. like I love hearing what people's uh, definitions of these words are, because it could be, you know, I love where you have already started going, but I'm curious, like, if someone is in a struggle bus and they're, like, you know, kind of in the, not even able to, to meet their basic needs and, and, and everything is just really challenging, what does peace look like for them? How could they glimpse at that?
2: I think that's what it is. It's just little glimpses of peace at that point, and you hold on to that. But when you're really on the struggle bus, you just have to survive at that point. Okay. We've all been there. It's really, you can hardly think about, oh, I need to switch to an organic diet. You're not thinking that you're thinking I have to survive. (laughs) And this, this deep shift is usually on the heels of that survival mode. So I think when you're in that period of your life, there's no putting pressure on yourself. You got to do what you got to do to make it and to make it through And if you can hold on to those little glimpses of peace, you know, maybe start walking outside, just little, you know, 10 minute increments of something that brings you a little solace and hold on to that. Pray a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to hope for the best and just one foot in front of the other. But if you are at that point in your life where everything is so difficult, I think the best thing you can do is Don't put any pressure on yourself at all. Don't add more to your plate. Just try and give yourself a little bit of peace here and there, and it will grow.
1: Uh uh Thank you for that, beautiful. And talk to me about prayer. You've said said it in a few different times. Um, What does prayer look like to you? And for someone who's listening, how could you educate them on, on, on a prayer practice?
2: So for me prayer feels just like an ongoing conversation with God, the universe. It's like a friend. It's not a Christmas list. I'm not asking for things. It's just, please be with me. You know, I see you. I know you see me. It's a friendship. It's a relationship. It's, it's not me talking to Santa Claus. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's not, it's more just like an ongoing conversation.
1: Hmm. Hmm. And it 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 could have you could add wishes and 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 needs to that conversation. Yeah. I mean, right?
2: of course. I think when I'm meditating or I'm really quiet, it's like I can I can feel that energy that I'm trying to connect to. And if there's something going on, like please help me heal this person, or please help this other situation in my life. Mm-hmm. There is that, but like on a mm-hmm. day-to-day mm-hmm. basis, it just feels like it's an ongoing conversation or relationship in my mind. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. I love that. And then the practice of meditation ha- has helped you to arrive at a, at an inner silence, to be able to then listen to the silence, right? Like sometimes I think prayer without meditation is just uh the the you know intrusive thoughts that sound a little sweeter yeah. uh and the, or the inner critic dressed a little <laughs> cuter now so it's like you think that you're in conversation with god or in prayer but but honey it is it is not you, need, you know what would you say you, about that cuz i i think it's necessary that they go You together.
2: nailed it 100% like you need the silence to me, I, I don't know how I would be living now if I didn't have silence in my life. And it's it's not only like when you meditate, it's not your meditation practice. It like carries on through your days. So there's like a constant silence in your life, which allows you to be more calm, maybe make good decisions. You're not thinking so much. I mean, sometimes I'm like, am I even thinking like what's or is life just happening? I don't know. And I know that's a carryover from you know, having some silence in my life through a meditation practice.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. I'm breaking down the the words in the, in the title of the book because I love it. Okay. So we've spoken about peace. Let's talk about fulfillment and then we'll talk about freedom. What does fulfillment uh, mean? How can we find fulfillment? What is, what is finding fulfillment look like?
2: I mean, for me, I find fulfillment helping other people, you know, it's why I write and go through everything we need to go through to help other people. I I don't need to tell you to, to put a book together Mm -hmm. and work with a publisher. And it's a very long at times difficult process. But like, for me, I feel a lot of fulfillment knowing that maybe I help some people, so I don't find fulfillment Mm -hmm. anymore from like a fancy car or something like this. It's more like. Something shifted inside of me. It was that empathy that was turned upside down. It, or not turned all the way up, I should say it's, um, that fulfillment came from helping others.
1: Mhm mhm I love that. And and oftentimes in the Buddhist scriptures we hear that the meaning of human life is to help other people and the only way to live a meaningful fulfilled life is a life that is in service to others. Uh, and I know in the in the Christian doctrine it's it says that to every religion emphasizes mm-hmm. compassion as the sort of backbone of their doctrine. Um and I love that you speak to that cuz I think one thing that I've also said in regards to prayer, too, when we're adding our needs to a prayer practice, when we're adding our needs to to asking the unseen beings, the unseen forces to help us, always add an altruistic motivation to it. Help me uh, be more energized or help me see this differently so th- so therefore I can uh, be of service to as many Perfect. people as possible. You know, help like adding that really does yeah. help.
2: My. I had a really profound experience. I, my brother had leukemia and he ended up on life support. We had to take him off of life support. It was very intense um, situation.
1: Oh my God, honey. Full
2: stop. One second. Wow. You have met grief and you are. (laughs) But I watched myself. Thank you. It was different when my mom died. Like we had to make the decision I felt. Like I was actually helping him die. I didn't back away from him. I leaned into him. I felt like we were together in this. And then I, Mm -hmm. after I hugged everyone in the room, I walked out of the hospital room and like I heard God or the universe, whoever say to me, like, Mm -hmm. give it all away. Just give it all away. And I was like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. You know, like just give everything you can back to the world. And to me, that was the ult- ultimate fulfillment.
1: Wow. That's beautiful. Thanks. Thanks, Valerie. It's felt, and I, it's it's felt not only through your words, but, and um, I can, I can, you know, feel it even through the, through the internet in our, in our connection here. Um, talk to us about the word freedom. What does freedom mean to you?
2: It's, it's back to that, Peace idea, too, of, you know, carving your own path in this world and doing things differently, but doing what's Mm -hmm. right for you and not playing by someone else's rules as much as you can. Um, We still have to live in society and Mm -hmm. be a part of this. But I think if you can slowly start moving into your own path and not do what your parents always wanted you to do, You know, I meet so many people and they're like, well, my parents really wanted me me to be a lawyer or a doctor or get married or do this and that. And they lose track of like, well, what do you, what do you want? So that robs you of your freedom. But if you can start standing up for yourself and Mm -hmm. saying like, this is what I need to do. I think you start gaining a lot of freedom and it feels amazing.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, thank you for, for that. And you say in the, in the, in the book that, uh, challenging times can be the gateway to expanding our consciousness. Can you have, can you, um, elaborate on that?
2: Yeah. I mean, we're humans. We're in this like meat sack. I don't know if we're always thinking about, you know, I want to have expanded awareness. I mean, if, I don't, I think when everything's going well, you're just kind of like living your life. The days are going by, you're just doing whatever you need to do, your responsibilities. But when you're stopped in your tracks because of deep pain, that's when you really start listening and thinking and trying to find solutions for yourself because, you know, you're desperate and anyone that's been in that position knows exactly what I'm talking about. You start to be very proactive uh, about your life and how you want to live and who you want to be, everything starts changing. And so, like I said before, it's like on the heels of that pain, that true change comes. Now it can come in other ways. It does happen to people. They're on a meditation course or a yoga course, and they do have this awakening, but I feel like nine times out of 10, you are woken up because the pain breaks you. And it's really surrender then you know, expanded consciousness, because you're open. You're uh-huh, open enough uh-huh. to let it happen to you.
1: Uh-huh. I love this. And you, um, on chapter seven, the title of the chapter is Help, I'm Having a Spiritual, um, a spiritual Emergency. I feel like we should put uh-huh. that on a t-shirt so people are <laughs> normalizing having it's, a it's spiritual intense. emergency, so you know? And, and then you put a quote um, here that says, There can be no rebirth without a dark night of the soul, a total annihilation of all that you believed and thought you were. This is by Inet Khan. Um, can, you th- can you speak to, like, how this quote resonates for you? And, like, it's clearly a, the theme of everything you're talking about. It is through the, you know, no pain, no load. To, I mean, no no pain, no grace, no, no, grace, pain, no pain. grace, no pain, like to the extent pain, that we experience pain, experience pain is the extent that we can experience deep joy, joy or mm-hmm. no mud, no lotus, right? It's a big thing, uh, theme that you've been speaking about. Talk to me about this, this quote because it's so yeah. beautiful. When I read it, I was like, uh, excuse <sighs> me, this is profound. Yeah, I think it goes
2: back to the idea of like dying before you die. Like the idea of who you think you are, your ego, all of that dying while you're still on the earth. You know, not waiting till one minute before you pass away to have your eyes opened. It's, it's the idea of dying mm-hmm. before you die. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have you died? At least twice. <laughs> and one of them, mm-hmm. you know, my mom died. That happened to me, right? That was my first, like, wow, mm-hmm. I can't believe this. And I thought, that's it. I'm. This is it. This is how I'm going to be now and I'm going to change my life Mm -hmm. and on and on. I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And then I went on a really long meditation course and, you know, we were meditating six hours, eight hours, I don't know, a day and Mm -hmm. I couldn't handle it. And, um, on one of the last days of the course, I completely exploded. And that's when I had that spiritual emergency and I've described it as like, taking acid, being electrocuted and like having a heart attack. Like everything went, it was pure chaos. I'm having spiritual experiences. I I thought I had schizophrenia, like everything was wild. And it took me at least two years to get back to center. And I would consider that another pretty profound death.
1: Mm -hmm, And that's okay okay that it took you two years to get back to your center. You know, I think a lot of people are are, are so, we are so desperate to fix and resolve and, and make sense of these, of that two year period immediately, oh, no, you know, there was no. and we don't, when we don't have kind people around us to be like, it's okay. Take the time you need, you yeah, know,
2: that I also was like, I want this to stop. And, you know, I wasn't in control once again. And that's another theme, like at one point you're going to realize you're not really in control. You can't you you can't make the world spin just because you want it to be one way. It you're not you're not in control. So that was a prime example of I have to surrender, I have to surrender, but it was so difficult because I was so out out of my mind basically and it was a long road back, but when I when I look backwards and I connect the dots you know, I'm glad it happened because it made me much stronger. I really got educated. You know, I went back to therapy and really worked through as much as I could. Cause I knew that that was trauma lodged in my body, just like exploding out. Um, am I going to go on mm-hmm. another really long mm-hmm. meditation course? Probably, <laughs> probably not. And not anytime soon. I think I'm kind of spiritually sensitive. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it, mm-hmm. it can happen that way too. And that, that is another death. Because you're annihilated.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that you spoken about this. Yeah, yeah. I love that you've spoken about this that the moment it was very much similar to me too. Um, I did th- this 30-day course that I that I only did half of it this last November, November 2022. I only did half of that 30-day course that I did in November of 2014. So 2014, I did the whole 30 day course, but I did have that moment of thinking. Um thinking slash I was totally mm-hmm. losing it. Um, but I was in that moment where, like, I had become still enough, and I had the right um, conditions to for all the trauma that was like stored deep inside my tissues, inside my bones, inside my organs, inside every part of my being. That everything that I had repressed and and shoved down, it just came to, like a projectile vomit <laughs> yeah. on on uh, up and out of me, you know. And I literally felt like I was losing it. Like I I had you know. Multiple things that could clearly be pathologized and 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 um, in 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 really hard ways, um, but something kept whole. Something kept bringing mm-hmm. grace around. Something kept bringing the 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 you know the 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 sort of like the scent of of the unseen beings to sort of relax me in all the right times. Uh, so I stayed. But it took me, you know, eight years to try to go back to that retreat because I felt like holy yeah. fucking
2: shit. I don't think I can go through 30 days of this ever That's again. That's like the honey. fact that you could even go back there shows me how strong you are because I know what happened to you. I mean, I you're explaining it to me. It happened to me. It's so intense that I mean. <sighs> I don't know, I, I'm i not even at the place yet. It hasn't been eight years, but I, I don't think I could do it again. It, it was so, it was terrifying, but also helped me a lot, but Jesus, it was, it scared the shit out of me, honestly.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's like, it helped me a lot. Like so much of what I have been able to like share with other people have come, has come from that 30 day course in 2014 for a reason, you know, because it's given me the foundation to, as, as you've been talking about throughout the whole book and our whole conversation, it's like in the hues of that trauma and the hues of that complete chaos, there was an expansion of consciousness mm-hmm. that happened, you know? And
2: then let me ask you a question. So the people that were on the course with you, like, did you tell them what was going on or did you keep it private to yourself? Like what was happening?
1: The first time I was keeping Mm -hmm. it to myself. And then one time that I was like getting ready to leave Mm -hmm. the retreat, like maybe halfway, halfway into the course. um, I, a friend of a friend who spoke uh, Brazilian Portuguese, um, set me down at like at 10 or 11 PM, like after the night, after the last practice of the day. And she told me a story about a, a saint uh, Milarepa in the Tibetan Buddhist uh, tradition who has gone from being a, a black magician, a sinner of sorts of like really, really horrific things to completely transforming his life and becoming uh, one of the most illuminated beings that has mm-hmm. ever walked earth through our the view of our doctrine, of the Buddhist doctrine, right? Um, and there's something to that story and and her, of course, nonverbal communication that we're having that just really mm-hmm. relaxed me, you know. That brought me a lot of peace. Um, but this first that that first time, I kept a lot of it to myself. The second time, no, I was having panic yeah. attacks left to right, and I would literally wake my boyfriend up, and I would walk to my sister's dorm, and I didn't give a fuck that I was the crazy girl walking in the middle of the monastery with a fucking blanket over my head, with a pillow over here, and and on my underwear. When you have to like obey by these very sort of um you know conservative conservative uh rules i didn't give a fuck i was like i am losing my shit and and a lot of the things that were happening to me was because my mom was on Mm -hmm. her way out and i was sending out a signal to her and the signal wasn't being picked up or or there was Mm -hmm. no feedback to that signal so then my body was in a full uh uh, chaos of like what's happening to like your main source Mm -hmm. of communication is not communicating back to you
2: and i'm talking about psychic Mm -hmm. communication of course yeah wow that was quite a storm. You got yourself into, right? That's a lot. Yeah. But again, you can see, it was, see, you can go deeper. You can see, look, this is what was happening. You have more knowledge at this point that you can kind of pull it apart and see, well, this is why it's happening. If you don't have that, it's very confusing. It's very overwhelming. And you have no idea why anything is happening. And that's like, one of the worst parts about it so mm-hmm, to have mm-hmm. again to have some knowledge have some experience if something like that happens you can kind of pull yourself out of it if you're going in cold you well you think you're going insane
1: yeah one thing that i that i've just i was just like reflecting listening to you talk and i just really enjoyed this conversation because it's like You're emphasizing something that I think society doesn't emphasize ever whatsoever. You know, never. Falling apart is vital for expansion of consciousness, right, Valerie? That's like what the whole book is about. That's so much of what you're preaching. I think it's I wish we had the the conditions to allow everybody to fall apart gently and slowly and gracefully and pick themselves back up as 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 quick or as slow as they as they as they you know, can, because it's so vital for the expansion of a, hu- of human consciousness, but right? But our
2: society isn't set up that way. That's why I always say, try and meet other people that get it and surround yourself with those people. Cause it's going to save you. You know, if you're depressed or you're anxious or you're really having a hard time, like it doesn't do you any good to be around people that are like, ah, oh, just snap out of it. What? It doesn't work that way. Like you have to do some deep inner work to pull yourself out of that and you need understanding kind empathetic people around you that get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey,
1: Oprah Winfrey said, "I want what she has." What do you think Oprah was speaking about in in regards to you? What was she? What do you think she
2: meant by that? Um, statement? I think It was my first day at work. And like, I didn't even know why I was at the studio. Like I didn't know what my job was going to be. And, uh, they told me just go in the screening room and tell your story. And I, I had just had this really profound experience learning to meditate. And she had just learned how to meditate. She's paying for her, everyone in New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago to learn to meditate all of her staff. And you know, I told her what happened with my mom and how suicidal. And in one meditation, I felt like I was in a state of ecstasy. And she was like, well, I want that too, through, through meditation. And now when I think back on it, I mean, it's, it is a really like a wowser type story, but I was just being honest what happened to me. So I learned after being there for two years and talking to people before they learned to meditate and after they learned to meditate, like. Not everybody has experiences like that. It was like that surrender that I, that thing that happened to me in the shower where I just gave up, I think was the gateway. And and I think my mom had something to do with it too, but it was like, I received a miracle. And not everyone, it's not that black and white for everybody. So like I said before, it can be more gradual when you start a new practice. And, And actually that's a better way if possible for it to happen, because it's not such a shocker. So I'm sure when I was talking to her, you know, there was probably like light pouring out of my body because I had just stepped into this new reality. And, um, I, I don't know. I, I think she was like, well, i w I'd like some of that too. Cause I, I was feeling amazing. You know, it was brand new. It was fresh. Mm-hmm. I felt, um, mm-hmm. I thought I was going to kill myself two weeks earlier. So pretty, pretty big swing. I was almost like high from it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you were I mean, 100% You know,
2: I, I really, I was like, <laughs> wow, like God touched me on the forehead and like, I can't believe this happened to me. And now I'm going to help people. And like, here we are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: You travel the country speaking to a woman about how to let go and let God. What does that mean?
2: Um, I think when you start getting to a place where you're past, you know, the trauma that has occurred in your life and you're in your deep shift and you're exploring um, different spiritual practices, you know, especially meditation, I think you get to the point where you're you can kind of let go, you can breathe. You've been through hell you've made it to the other side, you have more faith and trust in the universe, you can kind of lean on that and, and lean back. I love that idea of leaning back and just letting everything unfold and doing things the opposite of how you used to do them. It's, it's a much graceful, easier way of living. And, and there is trust there that you're going to be okay.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm Trust that you're going to be okay and trusting that that okay perhaps looks nothing like the okay that you have in imagined, nothing. right? I think that's the difficult <laughs> <Nothing>. part. <No. laughs>
2: new, new world, new life, new thoughts, new people, new everything.
1: But, that, but that's exciting. And surrendering to that's that. exciting. I, lean into yes. that. Lean into yes. that and whole I think idea. That, lean into, exactly. Yes, please bow into that. And I think that I, I one thing that I'm also hearing you talk about too, it's like, let go of the old ways of of perceiving, interpreting, conceptualizing, efforting, doing, like really try to do, um, really try to like listen in like, okay, God, how would you do this? And when you hear that inspired voice, like take action
2: because it's going to sound way too inspired, yeah, right? And also like you asked me before about like signs of this shift and it's, there's so much synchronicity in your life. So, like you're being shown, like, you know, do this next. Or I, I tell people you're not having random thoughts, like they're dropping into your mind for a reason. So kind of follow that path. But you're gonna be shown like there's like breadcrumbs out in the world, but you have to be able to pay attention and and notice it and believe it and trust it. Um it's it's a pretty cool way of living, I think. It's better than um you know, being scared and forcing everything. It's its like you have help.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. One thing that I didn't, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about, but the last thing I want to ask you is forgiveness. How has the, the role of forgiveness, um, how has it impacted your your spiritual journey?
2: I think it's hard to forgive sometimes, but I think when you have these experiences and your consciousness is expanded a little bit, you can kind of see like all sides of the coin. And especially it's like really interesting to go into therapy and talk about maybe people that you had issues with. You're able to like work through it much faster and then you forgive them. And actually like, you don't even think about it anymore. It's not even like an issue. It's just like, Oh, that was weird. That person, Like I felt like they did me wrong or whatever the case may be, but it doesn't consume you anymore. It's like you forgive and you forget in a way and it's natural and it's organic. And Mm -hmm. it's because I think you have the ability to really see in a much wider lens what's really going on and, you know, hurt people, hurt people and transformed people, transform people. And like, if you can keep that in your mind, then you'll understand if someone is hurtful towards you or does something that you're like, what the hell? How, how could you do that? It's because it's something about them is hurting. So it's not even about you. And so understanding mm-hmm. concepts like mm-hmm. that really kind of sets you free from being bound up by disliking someone.
1: Mm-hmm. And transform people, transform people. That's the title of chapter 11, y'all. So Valerie speaks about this in detail. Um, I love it. Thank you so much for Thanks coming for on the show. Me. And I just want to emphasize, yeah, thank you. And like for me, one of the 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 biggest takeaways from this episode is like you have given us the permission. You have been a permissionary to fall apart.
2: Fucking well, fall you apart. You know what I
1: mean? And like, I mean, go what are you gonna it? do?
2: You can't stop it. It's like takes you down. What are you gonna fight back against the universe? Like, sorry, you're like not gonna win. So, yeah, it's part of the process Mm -hmm. and it sucks, but then it doesn't suck. Then it's awesome. So Mm -hmm. do you have a personal takeaway from this episode? I'm really just thinking about you and your mom. Like that broke my heart. I thank you. I wish I I don't know. It's just that's all I'm actually thinking about.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I haven't had the, the courage to post it on, on social media or announce it to my newsletter. or I, I've just been quietly sharing with guests on that I speak to on the show and, of course, all my friends and, and family, everybody knows. Um, thank you for, for, for saying that. And um, thank you for Thanks. being on the show. Really, really enjoyed. <laughs> Buy her book, y'all, In Deep Shift. Uh, it's available. Ever books are, are available. And if you buy her book on uh, Barnes and Noble or Amazon, don't forget, leave a review. Us authors need the reviews. And, and instead of you buying just yourself a copy, buy yourself a copy and your partner a copy or your best friend or your aunt or your cousin, buy two copies at once. And then tell them as soon as they're done reading, write a review. Reviews are vital for the success of a book. Okay. So look it up in deep shift and um, yeah, get the book. I love you all. Thank you so much. And don't forget, you can leave me a voice mail at 805-285-2331. I want to hear from you. Leave me your questions. Give me some feedback. Let me know what kind of tea you're drinking. And I don't mean the kind of, you know, chamomile tea you're drinking. I'm talking about the kind of tea that life is serving you, honey. Is it hot? Is it scalding? Can you barely sip it? What the fuck is happening in your reality? Let us know. And now that we've had the permissionary Valerie Gungas here, Let's fall apart together and it's okay and let's not pathologize in falling apart. you know and sometimes we do have to pathologize because it helps uh, to have uh, support in that way. But a lot of the times we just need to fall apart gracefully without feeling desperate to fix things right away. Okay, remember to rate, review and subscribe the episode. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, mm-hmm. review. Let us know how the the podcast is impacting your life. And stay in touch with me at Sa Di Simone on Instagram and TikTok. New episode every Tuesday. I love you all. Peace.